0: to a f- fresh episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Yes, we're, we're unwrapping a brand new episode. And it's been, let me see, David. I think this is something new. I mean, I think you and I recorded our last episode less than a week ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. We recorded it on uh, Friday, I think, yeah
0: and that was michael brodywaite right. i got to tell you i got to tell you he spun me out that was so good i i bought the audiobook about halfway through it Yeah, it is very helpful revolutionary uh stuff
1: yeah yeah he uh he brought some great stuff and and uh, you know like like we said on the on the episode everybody could use uh 12 step recovery, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he found a way to really bring it to the party. And uh, yeah, it was, that was just, that was great. That was fun.
0: It makes me grateful. You know, I have one, uh, you and I have an advantage when it comes to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. We are forced to listen to every episode <laughs> <laughs> <That gets laughs> because we create it. That's true. We, yeah, we we, <laughs> we are, we're intimately involved in every conversation. Yeah. I don't don't have to remember to do it. I mean, it's there. It's, it's a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we could um, get some kind of accreditation for ourselves at the end of You know, listen to all the episodes and get a, you know, a bogus doctorate or something. I don't know. There
0: you go. go. (laughs) Well, let me see. I was actually on vacation. I was, I was uh, in outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, in a rented house when we recorded the last one. Now I'm back home. Allie and I are back home. Yeah. Real life. Uh, yeah, we, we went for a week's vacation. We were gone fifteen days. We just found out found it we kept delaying our return. So <laughs> so we're home now and it's great to be home, but I'm fat. Fi- but now I'm delaying unpacking. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you do this? Oh. Some people are really good. They get home, and the first thing I do is unpack the whole suitcase, put everything away, put the suitcase back in the closet. I am not that guy. I can still live out of this suitcase for another week.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I have clean clothes left, the suitcase yeah. goes back you know, in the closet and um eventually when i burned through all the clothes that i was going to wear while i was gone
0: then we yeah. get
1: down to unpacking so
0: yeah but and i think there is a parallel here at, between my vacation and travel habits and my recovery mm. cuz part of you know the work of recovery is there's a lot of unpacking involved <laughs> <laughs> Boy, howdy! You know what
1: I mean. <laughs> yes, there I would is.
0: prefer not to do.
1: No, there's tons of unpacking. You know, we we all we we carry our Samsonite around with us. Like, um, you know, man, that's
0: yeah. And and it's one of the reasons that I really appreciated what Michael brought last week. And I, as I'm going, working through his book, he he really kind of pushes you to do some unpacking. Mm-hmm. You know, not only to identify the mask that you're wearing, but let's go back in and find out why the hell you're wearing it. Right. What, you know, what is the fear that that is driving you to do that? And and I'll tell you what, it's been illuminating to me to see patterns uh, that I had been unwilling to kind of stare at. Right.
1: Right. Right
0: uh, to do some unpacking that I was, uh, that I've been delaying. And I've only been, you know, on this recovery journey for a little over 20 years.
1: <laughs> well, you've still got, <laughs> you've still probably got a whole trunk full somewhere then.
0: I, I yeah? do. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's funny. I, I ask people all the time, you know, when did it stop being okay for you to be you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and. Oh, what a good question it's a it's a really interesting thing to think about because people after some thought can usually tell you yeah you know uh, an experience or a season of life an episode a narrative that they inherited from their family whatever it is but they can tell you when they turned a corner and realized it was no longer safe to be them
0: you know yeah yeah and now that inter- th- that introduces this it, this internal stress uh, this, uh, you know, this lack of inner cohesion and the pain that results from that, we've got to find a way to medicate or escape that pain. And that, that is a direct route to addictive behavior. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Well, uh, you went back to the well when it came to lining up the guests, by the way, listeners, credit where credit is due the man responsible for bringing us all these great guests week after week is not yours truly it's david hampton he makes it happen (laughs) Uh, well it's it's a lot of work too and i really appreciate that you do it
1: david well you know i i appreciate the the credit but you know it's fun nate because i i get to scour the earth you know looking for folks and um and sometimes our listeners send me names of people that they know of that might be interesting. But um, it's interesting because I get to um, I get to find out a lot of things that are going on in the uh, recovery world and the recovery community uh, just by the uh, connections of um, uh, searching through things. And the people that we've had on the podcast. Uh, episodes in the past of yeah. recommended people so yeah thank you it's just but but what's fun now is that we're getting enough um regular listeners that we have people approaching us who yeah. would like to be on the episodes and so that that makes it a lot easier too so
0: sure all right well uh listeners uh a voice if you've been a long time subscriber to the podcast then you've heard this guy very entertaining uh fella, I so enjoyed meeting him all the way back Low those many, many months ago. Stick around. We'll be back in a minute on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And by uh, popular demand, we're bringing back One of our first guests, actually our guest from episode number two. Right. Filmmaker Skip Stokes is back. Hi, Skip.
2: Hey, how's it going, gentlemen?
0: (laughs) Good. Uh,
1: (laughs) It's going great.
0: (laughs) Uh, We are still uh, under the, uh, you know, the constraints of COVID. We're still conducting this interview at a distance. We're not in a shared physical space. So I can't see you, Skip, but I can hear you, and you sound good. Well, uh, it's it's been over a year since you and I spoke. I think you've had a little more interaction with my friend than you have with me. But yeah, how, how's the last year gone?
2: Yeah, it's been an interesting year, huh? Um, it's uh, it's good. Uh, I can proclaim that I am uh, still a sober fella, so that's good. Um, well, there go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's, uh, you know, that 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 is job number one. Right. Yeah. If we let that go, everything else goes with it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, you you and uh, Skip have kind of been partners in crime a little bit. You've been stirring up some trouble. Haven't you? <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> probably more ways than one, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm more of a recruit in crime. Um, okay, I was, I was, uh, I was summoned upon. But uh, Skip and his partner Anthony have a great project. And uh, I want Skip to tell about it and talk about it and how the thing kind of evolved. But this is exciting for me because it's putting me in a new role. And um, I'm officially a producer or an executive producer or something. Skip, what am I exactly? I don't know. What the hell do I do? (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You're a producer. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. The project is called Stigma. It's a documentary about the stigma associated with substance use disorder and its effects on recovery. Um, And it all started about a year, about, well, what was it, about 10 months ago, I guess. Um, I lost, uh, my wife and I lost a family member to an accidental overdose. And uh, I was kind of up in the tree. And I noticed that when I would tell people that I lost my uh, cousin, they would be, uh, you know, heartfelt and sincere. And the moment they found out that he had died of an accidental overdose, I could almost see a switch in their perception of who he was, what he was about. And so one day, I, I while up in the proverbial tree, I called David and said, uh, hey, man, I don't know what to do with this, man. It's almost like there's a stigma associated with addiction. <laughs> and, um, and, and David, in his uh, uh, beautiful way, kind of gently but systematically explained to me um, through his teaching of the uh, four-legged stool, how stigma does, in fact, play into the life of an addict. And um, And from that moment on, I felt like there was something there that needed to be talked about. There's a lot of great content out there about addiction, about recovery, Um, but I didn't see anything that was really speaking to the other side of the coin, Um, almost society's part in this, if you will, of changing the way we view addiction. And uh, then I guess, what was it, David? About a month later, I said, hey, man, I need more help than just the stool um, I need you to help me produce this thing. <laughs> and you didn't know what that meant, so you said yes. <laughs>
1: right, right. I thought, you know, we'd have coffee and uh, I'd tell you a couple of, of, you know, my best lines and then I'd be out. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: no, I need more than that. So instead yeah. you became the, the Harvey Weinstein of this project?
2: I'm trying to figure this out. <laughs> well, let's, oh, slow, down. let's <laughs> slow down. Let's slow down. Yeah. Uh Hey, hey, I I will tell you that once when in the old days of me doing podcasts, I actually had to remove a podcast because I did have a guest that was trash talking that person um, without saying his name. And we got a a message saying, hey, uh, you need to take that podcast down because those folks didn't really appreciate what I said. So uh, that's the closest I've ever gotten to that uh, person. That's, I'm to see nice. huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah yeah, well hopefully, hopefully I'll bring something different to this party, so that's good so
0: yeah yeah yeah, so has this involved uh finding the right uh faces and voices for for the project for the film partially. What, Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, We're still looking for some on-camera contributions. Uh, We've got a pretty good roster thus far. Um, However, when you dive into stigma, there was a great book uh, done several years ago by a couple of brothers, and it'd be good if I could mention their names right now, and it's escaping me. But it's basically the title of the book is uh, The Stigma of Addiction. And one of the chapters in there talks about what's called the doubling up of stigma. Um, and so one of the areas that we do want to do a deep dive into inside the film is looking at, okay, so there's, there's a stigmatizing view held toward a fellow like me, um, you know, straight white guy living in the United States, but then there is a second layer or a third layer depending on other aspects of that individual's life, be it them being a p- person of color or uh, in the LGBT community, etc. Things things like that can really double up the stigma. So we're still looking for some voices to uh, to lend that perspective into the film as well. Because as we try to topple the, the stigmatizing views towards society when it comes to addiction, we really want to look at all of them because we think that society really needs to change their view on something that by by my estimation, from my research, is over a hundred years old. Uh, our viewpoint of people that are dealing with drug addiction.
0: Yeah. So, are you suggesting, Skip, that um, the uh, society's attitude, our kind of acculturated attitude toward addiction and addicts, uh, does a couple of things. One, it helps uh, keep addicts trapped in addiction, and for those who make it into recovery, complicates their task of recovery?
2: Nate, you are throwing me the good ones right here, buddy. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you know, here's the thing. Um, I, I, I genuinely don't believe that if society just changes their tune and rewires their hard drives, their, their, uh, their, their brains, if you will, I, I don't believe that that's just going to solve the whole problem. Um, I do believe though that it will at least remove a barrier that, uh, could be in the way of someone either seeking help or, or, or staying in a program of recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, there's, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm the only fellow that could tell me that I had a problem with drinking. I'm, I'm, I'm it. That's the only person that could do it, you know? Um, and 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 so this isn't a, a, a surefire win, <laughs> and we're going to solve the problem of addiction full force just by this change. But if we can remove a, a barrier inside the process, I, I think that's the right direction to go. Yeah.
1: Right. And I think we kind of have talked about this as being a conversation starter. Um, yeah. And Skip, you know, you correct me if I'm misrepresenting that, but... Um, you know, the, co- the conversation in the culture about um, addiction and what that really means and who that really is um, has to change because what we know are the people that are uh, impacted by it just like everyone else. Um, let's say an upper middle class white family um, may not even want you to mention that their son or daughter is at treatment. They want you to believe they're at camp or they're at college or they're wherever. And, um, and they're not going to talk about it and they don't tell their friends and they don't tell their families and, um, and they just won't. And so the people we do hear about it, uh, are the people that make the news and we know how people make the news. And so, um, it's, it's a, it's a conversation that we've got to have that says, You know, this is happening to all of us.
0: Well, I know you guys are talking about substance use disorder, but I'm here to represent the uh, sexually addicted in our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, No small number of people. And I can tell you that uh, there is a ton of stigma around uh, sex addiction that makes, uh, made me, certainly made uh, very hesitant to speak openly and honestly about, you know, the biggest issue in my life. Yeah. 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 Tell us some, you know, we experience life as a story. We learn by means of stories. Um, Skip, you've, you've told us, uh, you've, you've opened with a story about the way you sensed people were responding when you Told them about your cousin's loss, a uh, uh, sudden loss of life, and uh, how everything changed when it turns out, you know, when you disclose that it was an accidental overdose. Uh, tell me, tell me another story around stigma, either you or David. Make make humanize this for me.
2: Yeah, David, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm trying to think how how, I, to,
1: how
2: to share. You know, uh, let me let me let me dive in and put my foot in my mouth so that David can be the one that comes in and articulates it afterward. I'm,
1: I'm a much better uh, rescuer. That yeah, that'll be good. Yeah.
2: Well, um, uh, you know, I I see countless countless examples all the time of people who I, it runs the gamut, Nate. Um, and and first of all, I absolutely applaud what you're doing and the voice that you uh, you give to to specifically this podcast. Um, and let me say that first and foremost, I, I am not just a fellow that's been on this podcast now one and a half times because we're not done with this episode and you haven't decided whether well, actually going to air it. But I'm also a fellow that listens every week and I thoroughly appreciate the voices and the perspectives that you all give. So let me just say that. Um, but, um, you know, it's, I look at, uh, I look at, at at Facebook posts. I yeah. see people that post um, that they lost their son or daughter, mm-hmm. and the post is is nebulous. It's it's kind of just skirting yeah. around the truth of what happened. Yeah, and so from a stigma perspective, um, even. Even if we wanted to, and I don't, I'm not suggesting that I want to, but even if we took the life out of the equation of the person that was what society sees as a deviant, weak-willed, crime-prone moral failure, you're dealing with the loss of life from a family member. Yeah. And, and that family member, the stigma is so strong and the shame is so strong that they can't even openly grieve the loss of their child. When if that child had died of any number of other diseases that are listed on the spectrum of diseases out there, society would want to grab hold of them and hold them and comfort them and help them. Yes. And to me, that's a tragedy. Yeah. That is... That is, that, is, that is a family having to live their pain in silence because they had to live their pain in silence for all that time that their, their, their child was struggling, and now they just have to continue to do so. And so for me, the stigmatizing view associated with substance use disorder and its effect on recovery is, is so important to move this ball forward and allow people to be able to find healing either on this side of an overdose, God forbid any of them happen again, but odds are we've been on this podcast for 13 minutes. The odds are someone in the United States has died in the last 13 minutes from an overdose. Um, let, let, let's just kind of move the ball in the right direction for a minute.
1: Yeah. 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 And when people are dying, from substance use disorder. They're dying from trauma and they're dying from shame and they're dying from isolation. And, um, those are the things that are really killing people. Um, yes. I mean, obviously chemicals and, and tainted, uh, counterfeit drugs and all this other stuff that floats through the pipelines of our culture, are the physical causes of death, but the 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 way that people are um, perceived and treated and talked about are the reason that people don't step forward. Because if you're going to be stigmatized and you're going to be ostracized and you're going to be isolated and you're going to be potentially rejected or um, any of these any of these things. Um, you know, who wants that, who wants to step forward and experience that? So I'll handle this on my own quietly or within the confines of our little family or, uh, my little close group of friends, maybe if I tell anybody at all. And, um, and that is just about a sure ticket to, um, you know, a tragic ending.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let, let me ask you, David, and I, you too, Skip, um, and I, I, you know, I could certainly answer the same question myself. Do you think that society's attitude toward the addict, whatever the addiction is, and your fear of social repercussions delayed your entry into recovery and cost you months or years of active addiction that could have been avoided?
1: I, I mean, personally, I do. And, you know, part of that is my own perception of right. myself, <laughs> you know, uh, when you have this great uh, persona that you're trying to maintain, and then you think it's going to come crashing down, which is exactly what needs to happen. Um, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, right. yeah. That's like the most fearful thought in the whole world, but you know, for some of us, our paychecks are attached to that. Our insurance is attached to that. um, Our social and um, faith communities are uh, are entangled in that. And so you have to decide if you're going to come forward and talk about this to anybody. And I mean, and and a lot of people know my story, but I was employed at a church when I was doing my best drinking, which explains a lot, but that's another story too. (laughs) But you know, the thing, the thing is, is that, um, I waited a year before I told my friend and senior pastor that I was in recovery because I figured what you know what's the statute of limitations on being a drunk right so yeah, if right, they, you yeah. know if I could talk about it in in a, a year ago past tense I had this problem then maybe I'd get a break you know and 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 to my church's credit they were the leadership was more than supportive and helpful, and and they wanted to understand, and they and they really did try to understand um, what what was happening with me. But but the problem is is that most of us um, already believe that people aren't going to get it because the first thing people tell you is you need to stop, and and you you know you're you, as the person on the other end of that, it's like well no shit, I wish that had occurred to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with my head in the toilet at five in the morning, I wish I had had that thought, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that was nothing but what I thought, so you tell me how that's exactly gonna happen without me having to risk everything that's important to me in my whole life in order to get help, so yeah, yeah.
2: yeah i was I was the uh you know there's there's the whole thing of like the Instagram where you're presenting a false narrative. And so there's, there's, you can, you can go online and see where people are posting their Instagram photos and, you know, they're, they're perfectly toned bodies and they're in front of a waterfall and, and they're the only ones there and hashtag living my best life and blah, blah, blah. And then you see a photograph from the exact same person from someone else's feed where it shows that they're literally just got the camera close enough so they didn't see the 497 other people that were taking the exact same photo in the exact same spot at the exact same waterfall at the exact same time. Um, you know, so I was, I'm living, I was living that world of thinking that I was really fooling everyone. And I myself also was employed by the church and I can't tell you how many times I showed up to work on Sunday morning and it, I had that wonderful uh, that wonderful waft of smell coming from my skin, from my pores of, yeah. of, of last night's uh, uh, due diligence to drink myself into a blackout drunk or oblivion so that I didn't have to deal with the emotions and the thoughts that were going on in my head. So, yeah, I didn't want to tell anybody I had a problem. Um, I guess I didn't need to because I was a walking scratch and sniff sticker, but um, – <laughs>
1: I have never heard that. (laughs) I just just made that
2: up and I'm grateful that you thought it was funny.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so we need to, what are the, what are the positive? So let's agree. We're going to make the case. And it sounds to me like it's an easy case to make, make a case that, uh, society's attitude toward addiction needs to change. Well, well, let me, let's follow up on something you asked, a statement you made earlier, Skip. Okay. You said, you said that, uh, society's attitudes about addiction are about a hundred years old.
2: They're out of date. Yeah. 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 Uh, unpack that a little bit. So the, 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 the statement that I made, um, comes from the, um, the Harrison narcotics tax act of, um, 1917. And this is post heroin being um, made illegal in the United States. Um, So now you're looking at a disease or you're looking at a drug that was prescribed by the medical community to treat pain and to treat different situations. And once people started dying from it, they realized, Oh, wait, this is not the non habit forming drug we thought it was let's make it illegal. Problem is now you have a group of people who've been using it and they're hooked on it. And um, speaking as a fellow that when it was time to drink, it was time to drink. And you weren't going to stop me from being able to do that. Addiction takes over and you've got to get what you got to get when you got to get it. And you'll resort to any means necessary to get it. So The media, actually, at the time, took out a huge blitz, I guess, if you want to call it that, where they did what I said. They said they were crime-prone, weak-willed moral failures. Um, And they came about that information pretty honestly because people were doing whatever they had to do to get the fix that they had to get. Well, let's look at that from today's standpoint, where we have drugs that are being... Um, put out into the world, and uh, they're not habit-forming, they're non-addictive, and yet, oh gosh, by the way, we found out, yeah, they really are, and you're dealing with the same conversation today. Um, and, and so what I'm seeing there is I'm seeing a pattern that continues to recycle itself, and yet the person that is deemed the low life, the person that doesn't have... Um, the fortitude, if you will, to be able to, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps and carry on down the road, is the person that is addicted to the, the substance in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I see a pattern there. And and I, and I you know, I, can I name drop for a second? Let me just name sure. drop for a second. So um, a lot of us know, um, in, in Nashville, we, we know uh, the former mayor, Megan Berry. And uh, I was having a uh, a chat with her and um, about about this project, about her son. Um, you know, we're we're going to tell this. We're going to tell Max's story as part of this film. Um, and Megan is uh, is uh, willing to share Max with us in that way. And I'm humbled by that. But 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 you know, she was. We were talking, and she said, "You know, the thing is, if I'm walking down the the the, the airport." And a guy keels over and is having a heart attack. I'm not going to make a moral judgment on whether or not he should or shouldn't have had that bacon double cheeseburger for lunch. I'm going to look for some way to help this man and try to, you know, keep him alive. Yeah. And 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 that that mentality and that attitude and that appreciation is is what we need. We desperately need for the person who is addicted to. to to substances. Um, It's a life or death situation. And more so now than ever, um, I mean, I can count in the past seven months, I can count eight people that I know of personally who overdosed on something that was laced with fentanyl. So they didn't even get what they were buying Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know. I mean, in in a in a in a crass and gross way of putting it, that would be like me going to a liquor store, buying a bottle of scotch, and then finding out halfway through the bottle it had been laced with arsenic. I didn't even buy arsenic; I bought scotch. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that's that's my thought process process in this and. I'm just a chucklehead from the Ozarks. I don't know much about any of this stuff, but I've done a little bit of reading and I just realized that the stigma that we're holding toward people is, is really a huge problem as I go on repeat now.
0: (laughs) So, um, how do we start, how do we start to turn this around?
2: Great question. And I think that part of that is um, is the conversation itself. I mean, we genuinely, you know, the whole concept behind we have to talk about the stigma associated with substance use disorder is I am stealing that word for word from voice after voice of, of mother or father or brother or, or sister who has stood in front of a group of people at an overdose awareness meeting or at a you know, uh, opioid epidemic meeting for business owners, I hear the same thing come out of all of their mouths. The thing is, they all have one thing in common, they lost someone. And what we wanna do is we wanna introduce a space where society at large can have that conversation and realize we need to talk about the stigma associated with substance use disorder. Um, and, and that's really the, 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 the whole thing of this film, is to share the story of, of of Megan and her son, and also to share the story of Cindy Blum, whom I know you know, uh, and 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 her son Eric, her and Dan's son Eric, and 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 to share these stories, but to have them then um, uh, uh, cheerleaded, if you will, uh, trumpeted on by experts in the field, uh, by also um, wanting to um, wanting to have business owners who have changed their own personal viewpoints toward uh, addiction and treatment and how they are working with their employees to say, hey, if you have a problem, we'll help you get help. Like, there you go. You know, we'll help you get help. And, and, and church communities who are saying, hey, we're not just going to provide you our dingy basement and our three-day-old coffee. We want to come alongside you and help champion you into a better life. And and uh, we we have the opportunity to speak with some folks in legislation, uh, some folks in law enforcement, um, in in the judicial world, looking at how do we continue to change this little by little to make it a space that is safe enough for people to say, yeah, I got a real problem here and uh, and I need to get some help because there's a better life out there for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this sounds like a, a badly needed film. This is, a, it's, it's a, this is an issue that needs to be artfully and persuasively uh, and cogently addressed. And uh, I've, I know your work as a filmmaker. I know you know how to uh, illuminate an issue skip i'm excited to do it so let me ask you a real practical question have sure. you got the have you
2: got the thing funded yet <laughs> no i don't um, <laughs> um <laughs> david's laughing thanks for asking um, he's, nate <laughs> he's, he's, he's the producer he's in you know that's part of the producer's job is to help get the money um uh, the uh, the uh the first fundraiser that we had for this film was um the first monday of march and we had a lovely uh, fundraiser out in Belle here in, in uh, Tennessee and um, in Nashville. And six hours after that fundraiser was over, uh, tornadoes ripped through Middle Tennessee. Oh, yeah. So uh, that kind of put a pause on uh, any of the uh, any of the uh, movement we felt like we had six hours previous. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, on a personal note. My my business partner Anthony and I, we were both safe. However, our workspace was demolished. Um, so that kind of changed things a little bit. And then if, and then a couple of weeks later, we went on to uh we 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 had this little thing called the COVID-19 stay at home uh yeah. orders. And um it's kind of hard to fundraise when everybody thinks that the movie Contagion is actually happening in real time. Um, so that got a little tricky. <laughs> Uh, That got a little tricky. And so what we finally decided was, okay, I got skin in the game here. Um, I'm going to make this film come hell or high water. Uh, But Anthony and I cannot do this by ourselves. Um, So we started a Kickstarter uh, about seven days ago to at least raise the funds to try to be able to hire our crew um, and to continue to pay for the marketing that is needed beforehand, during, and after the film, um, and and then we're still looking for other uh, individuals or organizations that can provide us with larger dollar amounts uh, through a nonprofit organization, Second Chance Sober Living, whom we've partnered with on the project. So, um, you know, the Kickstarter is up and live. Our our, uh, our our goal there is to take care of our our, our crew and our marketing folks, and then uh, the rest of the budget we're doing through the uh, Second Chance Sober Living, uh, so people can put money in there and uh, get a nice little tax break to boot. <laughs> Fantastic! Um, yeah, and I and I'd love to. i I can send you those links if you guys want to put those in the show notes. Um, Every little yeah, helps. Please. Right now we're doing a a push where we're saying uh, for $10 toward our project on Kickstarter, you get your name in the credits. It ain't much, but it's your name in the credits. And my goal is to get a thousand names in the credits. I would love to be able to say a thousand people helped make this movie possible with a $10 backing, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And if I were going to go online right now to Kickstarter, what would I search under to find the project? Stigma.
2: All right. Stigma. Yeah. yeah. Stigma. Yeah. And for a hundred dollar backing, you get an autograph. for a hundred dollar backing, you get an autographed copy of David Hampton's book. Well one of his books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The the great thing about this movie to me is that we know that everybody, um, every human being is a story that wants to be heard, right? Um, but when we hear um, about the real people, the real loss, the real um, individuals that um, that fall prey to this um, daily, um, they become human and they they become real and we have to we have to recognize that these are real brothers and sisters, real sons and daughters, real husbands and wives, real loved ones, partners that are, that we're losing. Um, and they're real stories and, and these stories are worth telling They're stories that are going to change the way we see the next person, maybe that enters our lives, uh, with this problem so that we don't just see them as a one dimensional problem that's waiting to be solved. We, we see them as a story needing to be heard.
0: Yeah. Well, that's absolutely beautiful. Skip, so great to have you back. On the show uh, So grateful for what you're doing
1: mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I, I'm going to go online Myself here at Kickstarter And get my name in the damn credits <laughs>
2: well, You know what Nate And I appreciate it And I'm not just saying this Because uh, your podcasting partner Is my producer I, I can't say it enough I, I look forward to y'all's uh, podcast Every week uh, The insight The varied opinions I mean you guys really are going after a, a holistic look at this and uh, you don't seem to be stuck in one point of view. You're really with, you're really willing uh, to listen to people's perspectives. And uh, I just get the sense that what y'all really want to do is see lives changed and people living in some freedom.
1: Absolutely. That is it.
0: So I love well, you. Thank both. you. Thanks.
1: Well, thank you, you so Skip. much.
0: Skip. All right, listeners stick with us. We'll be back in a moment on the positive sobriety podcast
1: welcome back to the positive sobriety podcast nate i am so glad skip was able to make time to pop in and talk about this project uh, with our audience and um with us. It is something that's been, um, we've been putting a lot of thought and time and he and his partner, Anthony, have been really um, diligent about getting this thing off of the ground. And, you know, I'm learning so much in this. Um, uh, it's funny, to. it sounds kind of uh, surreal, uh, the producer, executive producer role in this thing, um, because there is so much about making a film. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, holy crap. Um, but you know, funding on this thing is really going to be important. So I really would like to not to be uh, the horse, but you know, if, if the listeners feel any, um, connection with this subject and would love to, um, put something into it, uh, we would greatly appreciate getting to tell these stories and, uh, getting that opportunity and, um, and
0: I, I would like to think that we could make, uh, we could make a contribution to the film in the memory of somebody, couldn't we? Sure.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Get,
0: yeah, and 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 have that memorialized. I'm just spitballing here, but have that memorialized in the credits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: because there is going to be, um, you know, a point in the film where we all. Um, uh, in a sense, come together with, with someone, uh, that we've been, um, that we've been impacted by losing. Yeah. And, uh, but, but this is going to be something that, um, I'm really, I'm really hopeful that it changes the conversation a little bit, um, at least, or starts the conversation in a different direction.
0: Sure. 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 So, yeah, but, well, Hey, Tell us about our sponsor, David.
1: Well, you know, this is another uh, week I get to tell you about uh, Try Better Help. Um, it is try better, H-E-L-P, trybetterhelp.com. And this is a, a great online counseling uh, service. It is not a uh, crisis line. It is not a self-help uh, website. It is licensed clinical uh, Therapists that are accessible 24 hours a day. Uh, it is a subscription uh, service that you have access to. You can request the same therapist each time with your visits, but everything from anxiety to depression to uh, motivation, um, all the things that we might go to traditional counseling modalities for, uh, Try Better Help is online, waiting uh, to serve those that would love to access it. Um, these are folks that are offering a 10% discount to positive sobriety podcast listeners. So when you go to try BetterHelp, go to trybetterhelp.com slash positive sobriety, and it will help us uh, learn who is uh, benefiting from what we offer. And it will uh, allow you a 10% discount on their services. And, uh, so I encourage you to, uh, check it out and, uh, and, and take the time to do that. It, you can do it right from your own home. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, telecommunications again, just impacting our own, our own healthcare. And, uh, so try dot com slash positive sobriety. Fantastic.
0: Uh and as always, love to hear from you. You can reach us anytime at Positive Sobriety Podcast at gmail.com. Well, David, time has flown. We are once again about at the at the uh at the end of the hour. We good to are. hear your voice. Well, uh can't good to have
1: you back in the uh in the state of, well, you were in the state, Tennessee, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's good to be back home. I just I just miss Giving you a hug on a weekly basis. I know. So when, I know. When the hell, are we going to be able to do that again?
1: Well, I hope one of these phases. I, yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know yeah. what phase I'm in, but I, you know, I'm in the. I want to go back to a coffee shop and sit down and, and spend an hour with you on a on a morning. That's the phase I'm in. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Virtual arms thrown around you from here. So. <laughs>
0: Okay, listeners, well, that's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm David. We are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer, Rex Schnelli. Music by Rex Schnelli. Theme music by Matt Ulrich. Uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett. Uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford.